Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Got a pretty cool episode today looking over pretty much the entire physical therapy industry, but this is less opinions, thoughts, even though there's plenty of those, but more looking at the data. And my guest today on the podcast, Dr. Heidi Janenga, obviously a a previous guest several times, one of the leaders in the industry, president of, of WebPT. They, um, they as in WebPT, and, and Heidi did a, a really cool survey, and they got over 6,000 respondents about, about physical therapy. And the data, and Heidi and I always talk about data, was, um, was resounding. And it's, it's pretty cool to look at that data. And we, we've, we've harked on this many a times. It's... If you want to have change, if you want to have progress and move forward and innovate and do all these things, you need to have objective data to create a foundation and create a strategy from. So in this episode, we went over some of that data and what we think about it and how it can be integrated into the progression of the physical therapy profession. I think some of it might surprise you because some of it we've complained about, like reimbursement and payments. Um, and other things might not. So have a listen. Let us know what you think. I think it's it was a really cool discussion about the state of physical therapy, uh, where we are and where we're where we're headed. Heidi, along with myself, are very optimistic about the profession. I know there's a ton of doom and gloom and a lot of negativity, especially if you um, if you're on social media a good bit. But don't let that keep you down. Um, if you if you love the profession, if you love what you do and if you enjoy the moments, you know the moments I'm talking about if you're a treating clinician of when the person is able to walk or exercise or do something or if they're an athlete and they could finally do what they love to do and they thank you for that. That kind of win, that that's an incredible feeling for everyone involved. That That's a true team win of helping somebody improve the quality of their life and very few people get to experience that as a career as a job um, and we do that every single day and that's not even talking about the business opportunities in physical therapy which um, are numerous and constantly growing and evolving so have a listen enjoy let us know what you think as always feel free to reach out at therapy insiders at updoc media and um, at heidi janenga or at webpt if you have any questions here we go with Dr. Heidi Janenga on Therapy Insiders Podcast from UpDoc Media. Welcome back to Therapy Insiders Podcast. Dr. Gene Shirakabrad here. All right, so we've, um, we're kind of approaching Q4 of 2017. 2018 is right around the corner. And I feel like every year it's, it's important to have a conversation looking back 
and seeing the progress you've made personally, professionally. Uh, but for us, obviously, conversations that we have here on this podcast are also industry-wide because we focus so much on physical therapy. And if you are like most people now, especially if you're a listener of this podcast, chances are you are in some way on social media. And if you are on social media, you most likely need some kind of substance to make sure that you are not going to jump off the cliff at some point. Uh, preferably bourbon, maybe maybe beer, whatever your choice <laughs> is. We'll stick to those. We won't go any harder than that. But it's, it's incredibly variable and it goes from incredibly opt- op- opportunistic, which I'll put myself into that camp, I think, physical therapy, healthcare. Um, is, is in a very opportunistic position to doom and gloom, right? That it's the worst thing ever. Student loans are beyond uh, comprehension. There's no point in getting into it because you won't survive. So, um, and yes, usually with extremes, the truth is somewhere in the middle or it's a sliding scale, which is most most likely. So I think it's it's also important to kind of step back and look at the industry and and that means look at data. Um, and because that, that can be the most objective way to understand what's going on. And one of the best people to have a conversation with about data is, uh, is our good friend, Dr. Heidi Jernanga from WebPT. And lucky for you all, she's here with us today. So Heidi, welcome back. And um, I'm, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on the state of physio where we are now. Thanks, Gene. No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of the insights. Um, you know, I think that you're right. There's so much anecdotal uh, sort of conversation happening. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, we actually wanted to sort of take a stab at trying to figure out, you know, what is the real state of rehab therapy right now? And, you know, as we looked around what other industries do, um, you know, they have this, 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 plethora of data that they can access. Um, And unfortunately, uh, as we've talked about a lot of times, um, that we don't have that readily accessible in our industry. And so we wanted to sort of take a stab at doing an industry report. And so we sent out a survey earlier this year um, and used all kinds of means from email to social media to uh, Facebook, um, you know, all kinds of, of ways to sort of try to get people to actually take this survey. And we were super excited that um, we were able to get close to 6,000 people, rehab therapists. So that included um, some OTs uh, as well, but mainly the ma- overwhelming majority physical therapists um, all across the nation from all different uh, specialties, all different uh, areas of practice uh, to take our survey. And so uh, I'd love to share some of the insights that, that we found um, uh, within the cross-section of, of you know, these different uh, areas of our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So what was, what was the first thing that hit you once you got all this data and analyzed it? What's, what's the biggest piece that jumped out at you from all this? You know, what's really funny is that uh, Everyone was like, "Oh, are you? Were you surprised at some of the the responses?" And um, I wasn't as surprised as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, maybe the biggest 
sort of area of interest for me outside of, you know, validating some of the hypotheses that we'd been writing on, like your average um, uh, re reimbursement or payment per visit is still hovering around $80, $85 if you average up, you know, across the entire nation, which was, was a validating subject to me. Um, you know, the fact that you know, uh, about 75% of those respondents are spending around 30 to 60 minutes with their patient. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and I, I guess the biggest piece for me was probably the lack of entrepreneurialism in our industry. Um, you know, I come from a private practice world, as you do. Uh, and uh, as an entrepreneur, like you, you just think that more people think like you, I guess. Um, but as you know, we we've talked about um, here as well. Some of that entrepreneurial spirit definitely is is not part of the usual DNA. Uh, if you think of just your average therapist, and that uh, stood out pretty readily in one of our questions around what is sort of. Uh, you know your next step, or what is what? What are you thinking about uh, towards the future? And the lowest response was um, in opening up a private practice or starting your own business, which I thought was really interesting, and you know, I, something we can definitely uh, ponder about. Yeah, why do you think that is? Um, well, I think if you just if you think about you know the DNA of the, the average physical therapy student and, and what, what the schools are looking for when you uh, are, are looking to attract students. I mean, why do, why, did, why do people get into physical therapy in the first place, right? Most of them want to, ha to help people. They, have, they score high on the empathy scale. Um, and sometimes, and most, like, most of the time actually, that doesn't necessarily... Uh, always correlate with sort of a risk-taking um, person, right? Which is more typical of, of the entrepreneurial sort of category. Uh, not that entrepreneurs don't want to help people because usually that's why we jump into to the businesses that we do, but I think there's just the risk-taking level. Um, I think there's much more of a conservative, risk-averse sort of personality type that lends itself to a medical provider. Um, compared to an entrepreneur, again generalities, but I think in, I think we can probably correlate that a little bit. But also, I think it's tough out there right now. It used to be a lot easier to hang a shingle and say, "Yep, oh, I'm going to start my own private practice." Reimbursements were fairly easily garnered. There wasn't all of this regulatory regulatory compliance that you had to muddle through in order to just submit a claim. Uh, and so, I think that there's some fear out there of you know. Do I give it a go on my own, or should I just, you know, work for someone else who's already got it figured out? Um, and then you hit the nail on the head earlier around, you know, just the the contributing factor of of um, the debt that students are coming out with, right? And so having to think about now going to more debt potentially to start your own business is definitely not something I think that students are, are thinking about coming out of the gate or the newer grads are thinking about coming out of the gate. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, I think that's the most realistic answer that it's multifactorial, that, that there's, there's several elements to this. And it's, it's so tough because entrepreneurship in itself, the definition is high growth, right? Scalability. 
that it, it's high risk, high reward, and it, it pretty much consumes your life. It's it's a passion with a purpose um, that needs to be grounded in in logistical understanding of business. Otherwise, you just burn out and it becomes a hobby. And, yeah, uh, it, it's tough because you're like you said we've talked about this before and it's part of it is we're never taught um but beyond that because you don't you don't need to be taught to be an entrepreneur it's something that you have to do Mm -hmm. but we're really not is supported not not encouraged because being encouraged to be an entrepreneur i think is dangerous and there there it comes with a false sense of security that uh you know follow your passions and and do this and do that and then all of a sudden you're just you're just drowning and even more because you have no idea what's going on. But encouragement, mentorship, um, seeing it done, uh, transparency from others in the industry, not saying you should do this, but here's how you do it. Here's why it's incredibly difficult. Here's all the things that will most likely go wrong. Not could go wrong, but will go wrong. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get me wrong. Things will go wrong and they're always going to be harder than you anticipate just because before you do something, you're still going through that honeymoon phase. And yeah, I mean, that puts another layer of people not doing it, but I, uh, or encouraging or giving people another reason not to do it. Uh, But I feel like if if people have that true sense of of what it means, like you have to do it, then there's models that, that you can make it happen. It's just, it's, we're, we're in a funny state. I feel like as an overall industry that that's just not something that gets talked about a ton. No, oh, I would totally agree with that. I think that's, uh, you know, we're an industry that attracts a, a wide diversity of, of people, right, which is, is great. Um, and I think that because there's so many opportunities to do different things within our industry, different specialties, private practice, work for a hospital, work for a skilled nursing facility, work in a school, work part-time, work full-time, be a contractor, right? I mean, it's it lends itself to extreme diversity, um, which is fantastic, right? But at the same time, how do you uh, how do you corral all those people into uh, all sort of blending and and moving towards that higher purpose, right? As a unit of believing what we can be as physical therapists and what we sh- the impact that we should be having, the value that we drive towards, you know, changing overall healthcare perspective and, and what we can do with our patients. Um, sometimes I think that's what gets lost in translation of being able to have a unified front uh, to 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 working towards a, a, a unified higher purpose. Um, which, you know, again, does not help the brand of physical therapy. I was just actually had a conversation with a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed new grad who came out of school, um, is working in a clinic and has a great idea about wanting to start an on-demand physical therapy uh, software. And she's she's got her website started and she's, she's doing all kinds of great things. But one of the hurdles she's starting to get across now, and, and, you know, we understand this, I know you understand this from a perspective of trying to gain eyeballs onto, from patients or from the general public into who's searching for physical therapists. And it's still such a, a, a lack of knowledge or interest from the general population of seeking out us as providers for you know, the specific areas that we are absolutely experts in. Uh, and so 
changing that sort of behavior of, of patients, of potential patients and the consumer um, is something that I think is still an area that needs a lot of work in. And that, that just comes from, you know, us being able to beat our chests a little bit, you know, really show through now some of this data that we're starting to uh, be able to aggregate and put out there more readily for people to understand we do have a, a major place at the table that we need to occupy um, and can truly make a difference in the overall healthcare spend, um, you know, with use of outcomes, with use of, you know, uh, utilization data and, and just the cost of our care of delivering high value at a low cost. Um, those messages need to resonate more and more and more so it becomes more, uh, I guess, normalized, if you will, through through the general population. And I know, you know, that whole 92% or we're only seeing 8% of the, the 100% that we could see, we're lacking the 92% could, that could actually benefit from physical therapy treatment or being seen by a physical therapist. And so how do we, how do we not fight, you know, over that 8% and gain more of that 92 that, that are just not seeing or finding us um, as the provider of choice? That's uh, that's a great point and great question. And I think to to your earlier point, the the constant uh, I feel like divergence of of physical therapy is what's really bugging me. And I, I feel like we're we're going in the wrong direction in, in that sense because we we keep talking about like innovative models about cash PT and out of network. And to me, I'm like as I'm thinking through this, and obviously you know running recharge, which is completely cash out of network membership based and with updoc working and consulting with a bunch of companies like we have these conversations over and over again and when we actually talk to people like they hardly ever has it come up um it's it's a small fraction of a percentage of the payment model that we are um sure people ask once in a while do you take insurance just because they're they're habitually trained to ask that um but we, we do nothing to, to help ourselves as an industry by further divulging and diverting the attention to what is your payment model. That, that's not innovation. To me, that's a problem. So to me, there's only two types of physical therapy, shitty physical therapy and quality physical therapy. That's it. <laughs> that there's, those are the only two that exist in my mind. And let me know if I'm, I'm crazy on this, Heidi, but by, by breaking down insurance out of network, cash-based, all these other payment systems that is not physical therapy. That's how you accept payment. And that furthers that further beats in that we are a service, that we that people do physical therapy, not go to see a physical therapist. And that takes away the authority and that takes away that that psychological pr- principle of, of influence, which is authority of, of what we actually can do. When people come see us and they have that conversation and when you know we're adamant of direct to consumer marketing and focus, when people come to see us. We, we create a payment up front. So when they schedule, they do the payment as they schedule. Payment is out of the way and we can do what we need to do. And then it becomes quality physical therapy. And I know there's some barriers to this. I know there's some low income and I, I get all the reasons people say this, this is not, this won't work, but this is a way to start to spread the message of what we can do to help um, patients, customers, communities, teams, whatever market niche you wanna go after I feel like that's that's the way to look at it. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I completely agree on the quality and shitty. I mean, that's that's at the end of the day uh, what 
people walk away from regardless of how their payment method, right? And so whether or not they received value that day, whether or not you made an impact and left an impression on them as a, as a physical therapist, right? Um, because, I mean, if you look at, again, going back to our data, um, you know, 90% of the people are still relying uh, wholly on uh, insurance reimbursements for their source of revenue. And so, you know, the, the cash-based services are, have been a necessity to augment uh, the, the lack of, of reimbursement and the declining reimbursement. But what was, uh, what was actually surprising is that uh, reimbursements really haven't declined. Um, we've been hovering around this $80, $85 a visit average across the nation for quite a long time. Uh, and so when, again, when the data came back showing that we're still there um, and people are still billing out on average, you know, anywhere from 150 to 250 bucks and they're getting 50 to uh, 50 to 65 percent of that. Right. So um, it's it's not necessarily that they're the reimbursements have declining, I think, you know, the expensive have gone up, right? So your profit margins are shrinking, which, you know, nobody likes. Uh, and so how do you augment that? You add ancillary services, which everyone is doing. I mean, physicians are doing this too. I mean, when have you, I don't know if you've, the last time you went to your primary care provider, they're just not only doing <laughs> seeing patients anymore, right? I mean, my, I walk in and they've got, you know, supplements, they've got, they're doing injections, they're doing uh, all kinds of things to, to offset their, their potential shrinking margins as well. Yeah, I get a foot um, rub and I was like, oh, this is nice. Then I was like, $25 on my bill. Like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell, Doc? Right, Bullshit. right. Felt good though. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're in this to, to make a living, right? And so I think one of the, the other interesting pieces was we asked, what are the, th what are the most motivating factors to become a physical therapist? Um, and no surprise, the number one item was wanting to pursue a career that would allow me to, to help people. Um, behind that was enjoying learning the science of the human body. And third, being passionate about exercise, physical activity, uh, and athletics from an early age. So, uh, you know, the, the reasons, again, haven't really changed either over time. Uh, of why people get into to, to our industry, it's once they're in, how how do we continue to to put those motivating factors at the forefront, but also understand how do you help more people, right, than just maybe the, the people that you actually put your hands on, hopefully put your hands on in the clinic, or if you, how do you help them to the best of your ability using evidence-based care and not shitty PT, right? Knowing the difference between shitty and, and, and quality PT, I think, uh, is also really important to really, if you really want to help people, that's got to be a motivating factor within yourself. And I'm not sure that exists with everybody. No, I, I, I'd even go out on a limb and say it, it exists with few. I think we're, it's, <laughs> it's in the minority of, of where it exists. And the consistency throughout is just, is just non-existent of tracking right. outcomes, determining, like you said, what what is quality and what is shitty? Because here, I'll give you an, an anecdotal example, but still an example which I'm sure I'm sure permeates through through a bunch. We had we had a, a lady come by, 
um, CrossFitter. So we see obviously a lot of CrossFit athletes because we have a, a CrossFit gym built in into into our model. But um, so we saw somebody from a different box, and she came by, and she was doing physical therapy for for her issue before quote unquote traditional physical therapy. Um, and she found us because we're untraditional, uh, non-traditional, uh, which I took as a compliment. Bobby <laughs> And um, so we, we started talking and she's like, well, you know, I don't know what you guys can do for me because I've been doing physical therapy. And, you know, she listed off um, 12 weeks of, of stuff she was doing, like the same stuff over and over again. Um, physical therapy, quote unquote, physical therapy exercises, the monster walks, the clamshells, you know, the, the usual stuff that has a place, time and place in certain instances. Um, but she has pain with squatting. So. Heidi, the natural question we asked her was, did your physical therapist look at you squat? What do you think she mm-hmm. said? Nope. Absolutely right. So at this point, I'm beating my head against the wall um, <laughs> mentally, mentally, because I'm, I'm always torn because I'm between two, two, uh, two rocks, rocks in a hard place of me wanting to go, your physical therapist was a dumbass, and the other part of me <laughs> wanting to support my profession and saying, Maybe, maybe they had a reason for, for doing that while I know there's absolutely no godly reason for doing that. And sure. um, so we, we talked through it. And at this point, his, his answer to her was, don't squat. And again, at this point, I'm just like, I've broken <laughs> through the drywall once she says that. Um, and I was like, okay. So he pumped her full of nocebo. She had 12 weeks of physical therapy that did really nothing for her, uh, for her issue at hand. Uh, we had her squat. We went through progression and movement, and um, we saw her one time. And everything else was follow-up emails. And she's back in her box and squatting. And yes, I know this is one example, small sample size. This is not a, a double-blind study by any means, but this is prevalent. This is a big sure. prevalent issue. And yeah. if, if if little things like that get fixed along the way, big things will happen because of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, in every industry, because you know, there's a lot of art to what we do, and 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 science too. But there is a lot of art to what we do. Uh, but it is that consistency. It's the standardization that we're lacking. Um, and I know that a lot of people don't like that word, but I think that there's a a, a really serious need uh, if we are going to truly continue to elevate ourselves as an industry and as practitioners. That uh, is absolutely necessary to. To move the dial and to, to gain more credibility, uh, you know, with others, and I mean, it just has to happen, to be honest. And you know, part of that is looking at the data, right? Of being much more objective in how we we practice. Um, and you know, it's really hard though because it's you know looking at you know how research sort of works and how do you actually get to an evidence-based play, a truly evidence-based place. Um, you know, I think that on average it takes somewhat almost 10 years from the time that something comes out in research to the time that it actually fully gets implemented through, you know, s- through an industry. It's such a long period of time to, you know, be able to, to make a change and make a difference. Um, and so it's going to be a tough road, but I think if more people are committed to doing it uh, and we do have stronger mandates, I mean, we, we've kind of put it, we've, unfortunately, there's been a bit of a pause in terms of the turmoil that's that's happening politically on, you know, what is the state of the future of Medicare and state of the future of our healthcare uh, system in general. Um, 
but and you know the the, the value based sort of care value based payment is definitely continuing to roll along. I don't think it's moving as the, at the same pace that it was you know prior to to our new president coming on board. Um, but you know it, it it has to happen um, in terms of you know truly being able to uh, validate your validate your your progress through objective measures and uh, being paid accordingly. Um, and so the, the cream is definitely going to, to rise. And I think that, you know, once people have more incentive uh, financially to, to, to make sure that they're actually doing things that work, you know, I think that's when you're going to you're going to actually see some change. And I don't think that has to happen necessarily through specifically through documentation. So getting back to some of the things that we found in our survey, which again, probably no surprise, but, you know, spending time on documentation was consistently continuing to rank as the top company level challenge in across all practice settings, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, obviously none of us got into physical therapy because we wanted to, to document. Um, and with all the regulatory change and, and increased compliance uh, requirements, um, you know, documentation. Finger painting. Is that, is yeah. that, is that compliant? <laughs> like we tell the story, like hieroglyphics? Hey, if, yeah. if that works for you, it works in a cash-based uh, center, probably. Oh, that, that's why it works? Okay. Like different colors mean different pain levels. Red is really bad. Blue is nice. Angry face. It's it's like an emoji for no for notes. It's it's incredible. Hey, Wong Baker had it right back in the day. Like that's that emojis have been around longer than emojis. The the emojis that we know on social media. So, um, but yeah, you know we uh, we understand that you know as an organization and and you know efficiency and you know, priding ourselves in, in trying to, to work things into the workflow ver, versus just adding on to the, to the uh, agony of documentation uh, like most other systems do. You know, one of the, the proud moments, I guess, from our, from our poll was that, and just, just to, to be clear, you know, it was 50-50 in terms of WebPT customers that were actually, out of the six, close to 6,000 people that answered, it was, you know, not all WebPT users, but um, the average NPS score, so the net promoter score for WebPT customers was 31.8, where non-WebPT customers were on average a negative 16.5. Whoa. Yeah, big disparity there, which we we had the pom poms out for that one. Yeah, so <laughs> I say, holy shit, disparity. <laughs> yeah, so we love we we were really pleased about that. But I mean, it just it just it was validating again to us that hey, listen, we're we're doing a lot of the right things. By no means are we perfect, um, but we're definitely uh, moving in the right direction and and continuing to listen to our customers and and add value to and allowing these clinics to to stay on top of all of these, you know, demotivating factors of compliance and, and documentation and all of those. And, and hopefully, you know, at least creating somewhat of an easy button uh, to be able to do, get back to doing the things that they love to do, which, you know, is, is treating their patients and, and making a difference in people's lives. Yeah, for sure. Let me ask you this. With with documentation, I know as, as a CI and being an adjunct at Maryland, um, having come through students a lot, documentation is always one of the biggest challenges that they experience as a transition from student to a young professional. Have you heard uh, or experienced clinics or companies actually doing training on documentation? 
versus just kind of doing a, a quick onboarding when they become an employee saying, here's how the notes work. This is what blah, 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 you write. Like creating a system for documentation to make it more efficient. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's 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 just like anything else. When you come out of school, you've, you've learned the academic version. I mean, I think, you know, obviously schools tried to teach as much reality, getting people out into the clinics and, and doing um, as much as they can. But, you know, you, you, you learn holistically everything you should know about documentation, and then you get into the real world, and there's a different sort of thought process and, you know, maybe even a... a a, a way that this particular uh, company or clinic likes to do what they do. And so, um, you know, one of the things that uh, we've done is created an EDU version, so an educational version of WebPT that is now being used in close to 250 schools across the country. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and so we we love to, to have schools utilize our platform. It's a stripped-down stripped down platform, so it's not, you know, uh, I have all the bells and whistles, but at least it gives them a taste of what they're going to see when they get out into the real world um, in, in clinical practice of using an electronic medical record to, to document, which is much different than, you know, creating a soap note on a piece of paper. Uh, and yeah. so, um, you know, we were, we've been very pleased that schools have embraced it. Um, we priced it obviously, you know, pretty much as a giveaway, but, but make sure that they, they do have some value, they get trained on how to use it, things like that. Um, but I think that that's been extremely helpful. The feedback has been from schools that it's extremely helpful to give them that sort of first step into not being overwhelmed uh, when, when they get into clinical practice and sort of having that, you know, a, a closer sort of uh, partnership with reality of what you're going to see when you get out there. Um, and then, you know, obviously, clinicians and the, the clinic owners love it too because now they've had some experience already with an EMR whether it's ours or something somebody else's but especially when they go out and they, they start working with a, a WebPT customer um, now they already have that that leg up uh, in terms of documentation but I think that the hardest part in transition from you know a student into the real world is the fear right oh my gosh I, I have to document every single item that I've done and uh, I need to write as many words on a page as I possibly can. Um, and while it is true that you need to absolutely document everything that you do, it's the succinctness that I think over time you get to understand with experience and what's actually required and what is just sort of fluff that doesn't necessarily need to be need to be written, right? Um, so, you know, over time, we, we know that notes length shrink uh, and, this, and the sort of succinctness that you can actually get in, in writing fewer words, but being very direct in, in what's important to say um, comes with experience and training, right? So I, I hope that clinics are out there doing that. Um, you know, we do a lot of, of training. We have our WebPT University and, and other things that we have to help augment the clinics um, in their, you know, uh, in being able to adopt our, our platform, but you know, everybody kind of has their thing, and and we just we are just a, a helpful helpful um, uh, piece to to being able to run their practice and bringing onboarding new folks uh, into their clinic. Awesome. Well, hey, don't forget finger painting at that end. <laughs> the figures, 
smiley faces. It'll be. It'll you be... gotta have fun while you're doing it, of course. Damn of right. course. Damn right. Um, so, uh, I, well, first of all, I think that there's still a ton to cover, and we might need to do a part two during Ascend at the end of September. Um, so, if, if you're up for it, if you find a couple minutes of breath, maybe we can meet up and um, maybe do a Facebook Live or another podcast to talk talk another part of this. Sure. Well, and I would just uh, say that there it's a 60-page report, so there is definitely a lot of fodder here that we could talk about. We did a webinar, so if you go to webpt.com, you can look at the state of the industry, uh, state of the rehab therapy industry um, webinar. So we did a full hour webinar on it. But then if you want to actually download the report, you can go to webpt.com slash 2017 report. Um, and you can have full access to the report looking at all the data. We have beautiful graphs in there. Um, our analysts have did a fantastic job of sort of summarizing all of the key points of, of interest. Um, and you can actually see, you know, all the different data points that we collected and, and the results of that. So uh, it's webpt.com slash 2017 report. Fodder. What a great word. <laughs> I feel like at least one, one, once a podcast, you're, you're, you're just good for one awesome word. <laughs> oh, Gene, Fine. you're awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of Ascend, Heidi, um, I want to see you there at the end of the month. Are tickets still available? What, what's the latest if people want to kind of come hang out and really kind of chat business and, and see some of the business industry leaders? Yes, uh, Ascend is happening, Washington, D.C., uh, and if you know, come see Gene, he's going to be one of our, our guest speakers and, and, and moderating some, some great folks on a panel. Um, we have all kinds of amazing speakers. It is the business summit. Um, if you want to come to a, a conference that you will absolutely meet some of the most uh, important uh, thought leaders in our industry, this is the place to be. And uh, there are a few tickets left. We are going to be offering, since you're such a great friend of, of WebPT and, and, and uh, one of our esteemed speakers, we're actually going to be offering a 50% discount on tickets for anybody listening to this podcast. If you use the code ASCEND50, that's ASCEND50, you can get 50% off your ticket. So it's a huge discount, um, but, you know, we love Eugene, and we figured you've got a, a lot of great thought leaders that listen and follow you, so why not bring a few more of your folks uh, to the table uh, in D.C. in September? That's a whole lot of love, Heidi. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm genuinely excited for, for ASCEND, and... I like other conferences, you know, other big ones, but I feel like they're they're more of uh, just running through just just to be there for meetings. I'm actually I'm actually excited for the speakers and the presentations because everyone always asks me like, do you do you do you really like a center? You're just saying that because you're friends with WebPT. And uh, my response to that is always one, I wouldn't say something unless I, I really believed it. And two, there's there's just there's no fluff. And and. I mean that with, I say that with full sincerity and a smile on my face. I cannot stand just bullshit fluff at these conferences that have, it's just, there's no point to it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the DPT curriculum sometimes where you just complain about it. Just take it out, make it relevant, make it efficient and make it purposeful. And I feel like that is just every single ascent I've been to has been that. And I'm really excited. Well, thank you. And, you know, we're upping our game every year. I mean, we've got keynote speakers like Karen DeSalvo, um, who was the former Assistant Secretary of Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services speaking. Uh, we've got... Uh, 
Heidi and Chris Powell from Metabolic Wellness. You know them from TV. They're going to be uh, part of our speaking lineup. Um, but then you've got, you know, other great leaders like uh, Mike Connors, the, the president of the Texas Physical Therapy Association. Um, you've got, obviously, Rick Gawenda, who's going to be there. Paul Martin, who's uh, part, in, uh, part of Martin Healthcare Providers. And Strive guys are going to be there. Um, so you've just got a, an amazing lineup of people, uh, including yourself, Gene, uh, that are just going to uh, completely enlighten uh, the audience. And it's, it's meant to be thought-provoking. We, we always leave, as you know, a lot of networking time in between sessions so that you can actually absorb what you just heard and talk about it with others, um, which we, we find so uh, – the feedback has been so great about that, that you don't just go and listen and then – you know, forget about what you just heard. You actually get time to absorb and um, debate with others. Like, what was that? Was that really what I heard? Is this really uh, implementable? Can how? What do I? Can what nuggets can I take from this back to my clinic uh, and implement right away? Um, and so it's it's. I'm super proud of what we've been able to accomplish with Ascend. And uh, you know, we're we're pushing. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger every year. So we're really excited about being in DC. Um, and can't wait for next year. I can already start plugging 2018 because it is our 10-year anniversary, uh, and, it, and it's going to be located right here in Phoenix, Arizona, at our HQ. And uh, I promise it's going to be big. Wow. Well, let, let's also not not forget <laughs> that you guys throw a pretty damn good party as well during these events. I'm sure, <laughs> like all the networking, it's great. The business stuff is great. The party, though. Woo. You, hey. I, I'd say between you and EIM, when you two get together during events like this, it's, you know, it, it's not to be missed. I, I love having that. I must say I must love, I love having that reputation of being a good party thrower for sure. Um, and if you don't make it to Ascend, we will be at PPS doing it big like we always do. So if you, if you can't make it to D.C., we will definitely see you at PPS this year in November. I know, but why do one when you can or do October. both? Exactly. Why? Why miss out on, on actually the the better of the two events? If I do so so myself, <laughs> I will not disagree with you on that one. Awesome. Well, Gene, thank you so much for having me. And again, uh, anyone who wants to have more of this information, it's www.webpt.com slash 2017 report. Um, you know, data is where it's at. So. If, you, if you're at all interested in understanding where we are today uh, in terms of, you know, consolidation, that's something we talk about in here of, of how is that looking across the industry. Take a look at that report, and we've got some really good information in there for you. Awesome, Heidi. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much, and I'll see you in less than a month. All right, Gene. Take care. You too.